0: Precious Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before You. We come before You now and ask that You would do Your work in us, revealing Your truth to us. Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that You would take Your Word and pierce our hearts, pierce our souls with the truths of Your Word that we might be encouraged, that we might be strengthened that we would be emboldened to live for you in the days ahead, as long as you tarry, faithfully living for you, strengthened as followers of Christ. Lord, we ask for your strength from your word, strength from your spirit today, and we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to the truths of your word that you've given us. Help us to trust in your word fully and to obey your word wholly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Would you 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. We return to these first 7 verses that we began to look at about 3 weeks ago. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll look at the first 7 verses together. You know, today many churches are it's very sad to say, but many churches are weak spiritually. And churches are weak spiritually because Christians are weak spiritually. But churches need to be strengthened by God's Word and preaching and teaching the truths of God's Word so that believers will be strong spiritually. But there's also some responsibility that we carry on ourselves. Churches need to preach and teach the Word, and often it's when churches depart from the truths of Scriptures that believers become weak. But believers can be in the midst of good Bible teaching and preaching and hear the truths of God's Word and still be weak because they don't take steps to strengthen themselves. And so I'm here to encourage you and challenge you this morning to take steps to strengthen yourself, to be strong. Just as we've been talking for the last couple of weeks in this, these verses, these early verses in the second chapter of 2 Timothy, you need to be strengthened and you need to be strengthened by the Word. And there are some steps you can take to be strengthened. There are some characteristics that ought to be true of you if you're being faithful to Christ, faithful to God in your faithfulness to Christ. And, and I want to look at these first seven verses this morning, and then we'll come back to a couple of them. Follow along. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7. through You then, Paul writes to encourage Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now as Paul sought to encourage Timothy towards strength in his faith and and pointed to how he was to help strengthen the church, he also pointed to his need to be a teacher. We noticed it last week. He also, as we see it here in the Scriptures, he points to his need to be like a soldier and like an athlete and like a hardworking farmer. And you may recall I challenged men last week with this, that if they wanted to be the kind of men that the church truly needs, the kind of men that their families desperately need, the kind of men that this world needs men to be, godly men to be, if you're going to be those kinds of men, you need to be those men who are teachable, who are faithful, who are teachable, and who are able to teach others, and who take steps to serve in the church and serve their families so that they might teach others to be faithful also. And then Paul moves on here and illustrates with three occupations what Christians who are faithful are to be like. He says believers ought to be like teachers, we learned last week. He also says they ought to be like soldiers. And then they ought to be like athletes and they ought to be like farmers. Farmers. Paul is encouraging and challenging Timothy in his ministry. Remember, Timothy is leading the church. He's pastoring and he's leading the church and he's preaching and he's teaching and no doubt he's dealing with some very challenging issues in the church. And Paul is encouraging and challenging Timothy in his ministry in leading the church, trying to help him be strong for what he has ahead of him as he leads the church and he raises up and teaches others, who then will teach others also, as we noted in verse 2 last week. So he's challenging him, encouraging him, building him up in his ministry that he has before him. And just as we noted last week in verse 2, Timothy is to teach faithful men who will also teach others, but this example that we'll see this morning is not limited to those who are formal teachers. It wasn't true last week either that 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 example wasn't limited to those who would be formal teachers when when Paul says to Timothy in verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Those men who would be able to teach others also wouldn't necessarily be formal teachers or formal pastors, but they would be those men who rose up in the church to take the responsibility that God gave them and to lead with that responsibility, that burden on their backs faithfully, raising up others who would go on after they were long gone. And if the church is to survive, it will be because faithful people teach others to be faithful people. Faithful teachers of the truth teach others to be faithful teachers of the truth and faithful servants of the truth and faithful parents and faithful fathers and mothers and grandparents and faithful deacons and trustees and those who serve in the church and faithful teachers. There will be those who come along and encourage others to do the same and teach them to do the same But the example that we see this morning, again, it's not limited to those who would be formal teachers or pastors or those in formal roles of leadership in the church. This is for each of us. All who serve the Lord should learn from the soldier of whom Paul writes to Timothy about. All who serve the Lord should learn from the the example of the athlete and from the example of the farmer that we'll see Lord willing next week. No matter where you serve in the church or what your function as a member of the body of Christ is, these pictures of the strong Christian are an example for you to live by. Let's keep that in mind as we look at the first illustration of the strong Christian in which we are reminded of the commitment of a soldier. Think about the commitment of a soldier. You know something about the commitment of a soldier? Some of you who have served in the armed forces know something about the commitment of a soldier. That's what... They are trained for, they are trained to be committed to the task at hand. Good soldiers are willing to endure, and we see it in the text here, good, willing, good good soldiers are willing to endure hardship. Look at again with me, look at verse 3. Paul says, and he reminds Timothy, that a strong Christian must be willing to, verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Share in the suffering as share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now something indicates here to us that there is likely to be suffering for those who are followers of Christ, correct? Share in suffering. As a good soldier, the example of the soldier here to us is vivid in a way, isn't it? Because we see our soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines spread around the globe, especially in Iraq and Afghanistan right now, and we see them in the news and we think about the suffering that they endure, right? Think about the commitment of a soldier. Good soldiers are willing to endure hardship. That's what they are trained for. Good soldiers are trained using methods that prepare and equip them for the hardship that they are sure to face in warfare and battle. Everything they do prepares them for the war that they must face, for the battles that they must face. Soldiers often endure great hardship in their service for their country. I am very grateful for those who serve our country faithfully today and have in many years past, who have uh, served faithfully, many given their lives for our freedoms that we enjoy today. As followers of Christ, we ought to be grateful for those that God has raised up. You think about those who are in authority over us. The Scriptures teach us that there are those who who have been placed by God in authority over us. And there are those who have, who have compelled many, many people to raise up and serve our nation and protect us as Americans, and we ought to be very grateful to God for, for them. But we know it. We see it in the news broadcast, don't we? Some of us know it because it's close to home, and those that we have and family members maybe who have served recently in, in the challenges that we face in Iraq and Afghanistan, we pray for some of them. We, we know many of them, right? Soldiers often endure great, great hardship in their service for their country. The strong Christian, too, will be willing to endure great hardship for the cause of Christ. The strong believer, the believer who desires to please God, will be willing to endure hardship and face it faithfully. But, as John MacArthur writes, It is difficult for Christians in most of the Western world to understand what serious spiritual warfare and suffering for Christ mean. He says, "...the secular environment in our society is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity and to religion in general. But we are not faced with loss of job, imprisonment, and execution because of our faith. With few exceptions, being a Christian will not keep a student out of college or a worker from getting a good job." But the more faithful a Christian becomes, and the more the Lord blesses his work, the more Satan will put roadblocks, hardships, and rejection in the way, the more evident the spiritual warfare will become, and the more frequent and obvious the hardship will become. He writes, Chrysostom wrote that, quote, it behooves thee not to complain if thou endure hardness, but to complain if thou dost not endure hardness. You know, I think about what those who serve in our armed forces must endure and the hardship that they face. And I have to stop and think about what they're serving for, and I'm very grateful for them. I, I do not in any way want to diminish those who serve in our armed forces and serve to protect and defend our nation. I am very grateful for them. But would you stop and think for a moment about the life-saving, life-changing message of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that the soldiers of Christ have to bear a burden for? We have a life-changing message, a wonderful message of hope, Think about the life-saving, life-changing message of the gospel of Christ. You very well could save someone's eternal soul by pointing them to Christ. When they realize that they need Jesus Christ and they need forgiveness of sins and they turn and repent of their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you very well could be a part of helping save someone's eternal soul. How far more serious than any, than any battle we face on earth, any human confrontation we face on earth. How far more serious it is, the eternal souls of mankind. You realize how serious a message that we have, how wonderful and life-giving and hope-giving a message we have. And think about the hardship that soldiers are willing to endure for the freedoms that we enjoy and how grateful for, we ought to be for them but how much more so followers of Christ ought to be willing to endure hardship for the wonderful life-changing message that we have been entrusted with. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul challenged Timothy, "...therefore, do not be ashamed." Remember that? When we looked at that passage, "...do not be ashamed, Timothy." about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, don't ever forget that if you're God's child, you have the power of God working in you. Depend upon the power of God so that you might not be ashamed about the testimony of our Lord. But share in the suffering. Share in that suffering for the gospel. Do it by the power of God at work in you. Trust in the strength that He gives you to spread the gospel with the way that you live, with the words that you speak, with the way that you do your work. You see, the reward for followers of Christ, for those who receive the message of Christ, is out of this world. I think about the many rewards that we give to those who serve in our armed forces, many very deservedly so receive a reward, receive an award, not reward, but an, an award, sometimes a medal, some things that that we place great honor on, and they serve for for nothing more than the satisfaction of having served their country and there's great satisfaction in serving your country and serving for that freedom for those freedoms that we enjoy. But as followers of Christ, we don't serve for an award. We serve for an eternal reward. And the reward is out of this world. Think about what we followers of Christ have that lie ahead of us. Literally, the reward is the the kingdom of God. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are what? Persecuted, right? Persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. with a life-changing, life-transforming message, you have this message that, that can change people's eternal destinies if you will share it with them, if you will live it before them, if you will do your work in a way that brings glory to God, and your reward for doing so is an eternal home. With many rewards, yes, this, this affliction that we face, this hardship that we endure on earth is very difficult, but do you realize how, how slight and how momentary and how light it is compared to the, the reward that we face in eternity? A good soldier for Christ will be willing to endure great hardship for the cause of Christ. Secondly, a good soldier will be single-minded and focused in his purpose. Think about the characteristics of a good soldier. One, he's willing to endure hardship. Two, he's very single-minded and focused in his purpose. Look at verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him you realize that soldiers must concentrate on the task at hand to survive. Much of the training that uh, your, uh, your armed forces go through is to help them learn how to concentrate on the task at hand in the midst of severe hardship so that they don't lose their heads. For their own safety and for the safety of those who serve beside them. I can't tell you the number of times drilled into me during boot camp and then later in infantry training school when I was in the Marines when they made it very clear that something as simple as scratching the end of your nose could get you killed. Now that sounds kind of silly to civilians. You know, when you say don't scratch your nose, that could get you killed. But if we scratched our noses or anything else or did anything else that was that seemed undisciplined to those who were training us, they would make it very clear that we were undisciplined and we need to learn how to discipline ourselves so that we didn't get ourselves or our buddies killed. It was a very serious business, and they took it very seriously. Right, John? You "You get really serious, and they really reminded you of how serious they were with very unique methods and very unique techniques of training you so that you would be learn to be very disciplined so that when you're in the midst of a battle and there was potential for bullets to be whizzing by your head, you wouldn't reach up and scratch your nose and go, Here I am. Or here he is beside me, right? Soldiers must concentrate on the task at hand to survive. Alexander McLaren wrote, "...in Paul's time there were were no standing armies, but men were summoned from their ordinary avocations and sent into the field. When the hasty call came forth, the plow was left in the furrow and the web in the loom. The bridegroom hurried from his bride and the mourner from his mourning." All home industries were paralyzed while the manhood of the nation were in the field. You see, they had to leave it all behind and become very focused on the task at hand. G. Campbell Morgan wrote, speaking of World War I, the soldier on active service breaks with everything except the war. We saw them go in millions, leaving father, mother, brother, sister, wife, and lover. We saw them march away from promising careers, loved occupations, high ambitions, and the finest things of responsibility. Nothing was permitted to entangle them, to hinder them, or in any way to interfere with the one thing. He says, this new understanding has brought a new revelation of the claims which our Lord's campaign makes upon us. He only asks his people to do what the sons of the commonwealth did grudgingly. Does not the consideration bring a sense of shame with it? How often those who should consistently, uh, who could, who should constitute the sacramental host of God, have played at war? He says, how often God's people have played at war. May God forgive us and give us another chance. And if in His grace He will, may we be worthy of it. Dear people, don't play at war. You realize you're in a warfare? The Bible says that every follower of Jesus Christ is in a battle, is in a warfare. And a good soldier will be single minded and focused in his purpose. We ought not take the war that we're entangled in lightly. And it concerns me greatly when I talk to people who say they're believers and they say, well, you know, I don't think I'm in any spiritual warfare. I don't think Satan's after me and I don't think there's any battle going on in my life. Because if you say that, then either you're really far from the Lord or you're not a believer. Because if you know Christ and you're serving for Christ, you're going to realize that you're in a spiritual battle. Your life is bound up in spiritual warfare. You are constantly doing battle with the evil one, with the strength that the Holy Spirit gives you, and with the word that He's equipped you with, and with a, with the armament that comes from living in the Spirit and the Word. And if you didn't realize that you're in a spiritual warfare, you better you better realize it soon and quit playing at war. Colossians 3 gives us a very clear picture of the kind of single-minded focus and purpose that followers of Christ must have. Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, that is, if you're a follower of Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And then he says in verse 5, "Put this is getting very serious about the battle that we're in, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Take very seriously the warfare you're in. Work very hard at killing sin in your life with the power of the Word and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Because the danger for those who do not maintain a single-minded focus and purpose on the things of Christ will be that we fail to grow to maturity. That we fail to be the people that God intends us to be in His church and in this community and further in this world in which we live. If we intend to change the world in which we live, and that's how God intends to change the world, you understand that God doesn't intend to change the world through politics. God intends to change the world through His Word when people take it and live by it and obey it. And when you are changed by God's Word, you will change the world. That's how God intends to change the world. But if you fail to grow to maturity because you lack a single-minded purpose in serving for the Lord Jesus Christ... And you're distracted from the things that you have before you that God intends to set before you as you serve Him. You will fail to grow to maturity. You will fail to be effective for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not that God won't get done what He intends to do, but He will use someone else. And I want Him to use you. And I think you want Him to use you for His glory, to accomplish the things in this community for which He intends us to serve here for. fail to stay focused on the purpose of living for God's glory, for the spreading of the gospel, and you risk being the one that Luke chapter 8, verse 14 describes, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Paul warned Timothy not to allow himself to be led away and to strengthen the church, to strengthen himself, and strengthen the church, so that they would not be led away to destruction. And back in 1 Timothy chapter six, verses nine through twelve, look at them with me for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter six, verses nine through twelve. When Timothy writes to or, uh, Paul, writes to Timothy to encourage him. Here's how to lead the church, Timothy. Here's how to grow the church. Here's how to protect the church. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 6, verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Now, there's nothing in here that says there's anything wrong with being rich. okay? But it talks about the desire to be so. Think about it. The desire to be rich. What does it cause you to do? All kinds of ungodly things. All right? Verse 9, "...but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money..." It doesn't say money is. It says, "...for the love of money..." is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. There's nothing wrong with money. God has done a lot of good with money that people give carefully and generously to the work that God intends to do when it's used for God's glory. And so pray for us as a church and pray for yourselves as God's people that you will be good stewards and that we will be good stewards of God's blessings. There's nothing wrong with the money that God supplies properly used. But it's that, that desire for riches, it's that pursuit that will drag you down an endless pit of darkness. But here's the contrast in verse 11, 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Should God overwhelm you with untold riches in the pursuit of righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness, I think that God will trust you to do what's right with it. I think you will properly invest what God blesses you with. And verse 12 says, Go on, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. God may may very well bless you with many earthly blessings if you are pursuing... His goodness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness and and that desire placed in the right direction will help you use what God has blessed you with for His glory to invest in eternal things. Make the pursuit of God your focus, your primary mission, not earthly gain. good soldier of Jesus Christ will be willing to endure hardship and they will also be single-minded and focused in purpose. We also learn that good soldiers' single-minded focus in His purpose will lead to His devotion to His commander. The good soldier of Jesus Christ will be fully devoted to His commander. Paul says to Timothy in verse 4, look at it. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says to Timothy, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Listen, the good soldier is trained to obey orders without question. And a good soldier's desire is to please his commander. See, for the follower of Christ, it's no less important for them to be devoted to their heavenly Father, their heavenly commander. Listen to Paul describe his own attitude in 2 Corinthians five nine, which ought to be ours. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. To please the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Paul, the strong Christian will desire to please the Lord. Is that your desire? You need to make it your desire if it's not. You need to ask God to help you make it your desire to please Him, to to please Him in everything, in everything you put your hand to, in everything you put your mind on, in every word that you say. It takes a fairly measured life, doesn't it? It's not easy to do that, to measure the words that you say so that they're glorifying to God. To be careful the thoughts you think so that they're glorifying to God. Be careful about the work that you do and the way that you do it so that that's glorifying to God. It takes a bit of Introspection doesn't. It It takes a bit of examination. That's what I'm calling you to today. To examine your life. So that your life might measure up to what God says. Here's what a strong Christian is. Here's what a strong Christian is. A Christian that's willing to endure hardship for the sake of the gospel. A Christian who is single-minded and focused in his purpose. And a Christian who is all about pleasing me, God, pleasing your commander. Like Paul, the strong Christian will desire to please the Lord. That was also Paul's prayer concerning the Colossians. That ought to be our prayer for one another. Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10, "...and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will." in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Why do we open the Word? Why do we come to the Word every week and open the Word? Why do we preach from the Word and teach the Scriptures? Why do I constantly nag you about opening your Bible at home, right? Why do I constantly remind you, take your Bible and study it for yourself? Why do I do that? Why do we come to the Word? Because like Paul prayed for the church, so that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increase in the knowledge of God and do good works for God's glory, not your own. And live as a faithful faithful soldier of Jesus Christ, a good soldier of Christ will be committed. They will be committed in their willingness to endure hardship for the cause of Christ. They'll be single-minded and focused in their purpose, not distracted by the things of this world. And I'm not talking about being no earthly good, but I'm talking about being so heavenly-minded that you are great earthly good for the good goodness of mankind who need Jesus Christ. And a good soldier of Christ will be strong Solely devoted to pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can do these things because as we've been reminded back in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we have what it takes from Christ as God's children. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. See, God has equipped you with just what you need to live as a faithful, obedient, and committed soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ today in this wartime, this spiritual wartime in which we live, in which God's people have always lived, and we will always live until He returns. You need to be strengthened. You need to be a faithful soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to take very seriously His promises. Take very seriously His commands. And He will bless you When you humble yourself before Him and come with a single single purpose to serve the Lord, being committed to being willing to endure hardship for the Lord's sake. When you're faithful, when you're faithful to God's Word, when you're faithful to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll begin to experience hardship. You'll find out what it means to suffer for the cause of Christ. I don't mean to scare you. But I mean to embolden you and encourage you because the reward is out of this world, isn't it? The heavenly home that is prepared for us. And yet there is also earthly reward because God promises a peace that passes all understanding when we give ourselves to Him, when we humble ourselves before Him. He promises blessings untold. and I'm not suggesting that we're going to be filthy rich, but I'm suggesting that God will bless us in everything that we do if we will honor Him with our lives. If we'll become the faithful committed soldiers of Jesus Christ that He intends that we be. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word. And again, it's a timely reminder... The sufficiency of Your Word, the power of Your Word to encourage us, to, to embolden us, to help us be encouraged for faithful service to You. And so, Father, I come to You this morning on behalf of Your people with the promises from Your Word, knowing that You've given us a spirit not of fear, but one of power, one of love, one of self-control, self-discipline that would be strengthened by the by the strength of the Holy Spirit at work within us when You take Your Word and use it in our hearts and minds to strengthen and and equip us. Lord, help us to come before You each and every day with a heart that says, Lord, I'm I'm willing to suffer however it is for Your glory because your, Your name will be glorified when I suffer with the right attitude. Lord, help me not to... Run from suffering. Help me not to run from th- difficult situations and things that might make me uncomfortable, but Lord, help me to be courageous and bold, equipped with the promises that I have from Your Word, knowing that, that I have a spirit of power and love and self-control and not of fear. Lord, help me to be a soldier of Christ. Lord, help us to come before You each day praying those thoughts, that we would be faithful soldiers of, of Jesus Christ for the good of the Gospel, for the, for the good of mankind, that we might share with them the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That we might be changed by the life saving message of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be faithful to you, to be committed in single minded purpose, to serve you faithfully. And Lord, help us to, to seek to honor you. Help us to be, help it to be a, a deep desire in us that we would want to honor and glorify our commanding officer, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your love that you've given us in Jesus Christ. And may we be blessed and encouraged, having come together and studied your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.